Hello and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. I do want to say a quick thank you to those of you who have left ratings and reviews over the last few weeks. It lets me know you appreciate the content we're putting out. And even more importantly, ratings and reviews help raise our profile in the search engines, and that helps others find the podcast. So I really appreciate it when you take the time to do that. I'm so pleased to introduce you today to my friends, Doug and Raquel Lawrence. We first met them back in January of 2020 at our While We're Waiting weekend at the Refuge here in Hot Springs, and we had the privilege of hearing their daughter Parker's story. In the first half of this two-part episode, they talk about Sassy, as she was known in their family, and share about the incident that led to her homegoing. That incident put them in a position of having to consider forgiveness and led them to give all of this to God. I hope you'll settle in and listen as they share their hearts with us today. Hi, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for having us, Jill. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. I always like to get started by having my guests tell a little bit about themselves. So tell us where you're from and what life is like for you there. Well, we are from a small town in Missouri. Um, I'm a music teacher in that town, high school music teacher going on 29 years. And so that keeps me pretty busy. Um, I'm also part of our praise team at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Yeah, and we we have lived here for quite some time and we are um, we love our little community. Yeah. And my husband, Doug, we've been married for about 33 years. I believe that's correct. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he's the he's the one that always keeps that. Right. It weighs yeah. on me. <laughs> <laughs> you you know every year, huh? <laughs> exactly yeah. how many years. <laughs> yeah. It seems like longer. Oh uh, wow. No. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so we're in we're from Butler, which is located on the west coast of Missouri. And so we have lived here. I've lived here my whole life, except for, I don't know, the four or five years we were in college together and that sort of thing. But otherwise, we've been here. We've been here most of our married life. Raquel was in school for five years at Mid-American Nazarene in uh, Olathe. And then we moved back here. She got a job here. So we moved back to our hometown. And uh, we've been here ever since. We have a son, Christian, and a daughter-in-law, Sarah. Uh, they live in Springfield, Missouri, yeah. and uh, they're doing really well, really proud of them and what they're doing and how they've just <clears throat> become really good adults. So we get to see them as much as we can, but we'd yep. like to see them more often. Yep. Sure. I'm 30, 30 years and 10 days older than Christian, and so we'll both be uh, a year older here in a couple weeks. And yeah. so anyway. I'm a full-time taxidermist, and I, I am also uh, I own a sports broadcasting business for high school sports, and so I'm really busy this time of year. And, and but yeah, yeah, God's good and taking care of us, and and we're able to do some things that we really enjoy doing. And Raquel's about to retire, so that's fun. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. Yep. My husband's about to retire too after 30 years in education, and that's an exciting thing. You know, what a life change that's going to be when you've lived, when you've always been an educator and you've always lived your life according to the school calendar, what an Mm -hmm. unusual thing it's going to be to just have a, like a normal calendar. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. To yep. be able to do things right. that are not during the summertime, you know, and have to schedule your everything around the school calendar. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing. So you also have a daughter, Parker, and mm-hmm. she's the reason that we're here talking today. Tell us about Parker. Help us to get to know her a little bit. Sure. Go ahead. Um, well, Parker was a typical girl. Uh, she was a girly girl, but she also enjoyed sports. I always wanted to have a boy and a girl, yeah. and God allowed that. So um, we were so excited um, when we found out we were going to have a girl after having our son, Christian. And she was... Like I said, a, a typical girl. She was involved in sports. She loved friends. She, uh, we had multiple parties at our house. Lots of um, social life, I guess you could say. Um, and then about fifth grade, she was diagnosed with um, type one juvenile diabetes. So that kind of turned our world upside down, and we had to, you know, learn a lot of new things about this disease. Um, We had to be more careful with, you know, what she ate and what activities she did. But she was a trooper. She got through it, um, learned how to live with it, and continued to live her life like any normal kid would, even though she was, you know, attached to insulin as a life support. Yeah. but we were we were very proud of her, um, giving herself shots every day, testing her blood, doing all that stuff. Just um, hard to watch, but she, like I said, was a trooper. She got through it and learned how to how to deal with it. In high school, she was a, a good student. Again, she was in sports. She did softball, basketball, golf. golf. Yeah. She did golf. Um, mm-hmm. She was in National Honor Society. She was in show choir. She was very well-rounded, but I would say her social life was her top priority. She loved to be with her friends. Again, we'd have kids. Our our front door was a revolving door. I never knew who she was going to bring home, never knew how long they were going to stay or- Or who was coming in next. Or what we were going to eat, because, you know- <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was a big thing for her. I don't, I don't know that it was- I think it was partly her diabetes that she was always hungry, always <laughs> hungry. Yeah. yeah. She loved food. And she was also very close to her cousin. Her cousin, Keegan, um, was born nine days before she was. So she had kind of like a sister yeah. growing up. They were together all the time practically raised together. We did all big events together. Um, so this was kind of like a sister. Keegan was kind of like a sister to her. And so we are grateful for her being able to grow up with another kind of sibling. Parker loved babies. She was drawn to babies and they were drawn to her. Yep. She loved babysitting and she just made connection yeah. She, kids. she loved it so much that she was actually in school at Pitt State in Kansas studying to be a midwife. And so oh, wow. she was going to be a junior there. And yeah, that's all she thought about was delivering babies and yeah. taking care of kids. Yeah. She loved, yeah, she loved college life. She got to room with one of her best friends from her hometown. And then she made 
a lot of other friends there. Mm-hmm. She she really thrived when she was going to school and it wasn't too far away. So she would come home and on the weekends she would work here in Butler at a local restaurant where again, she made a whole nother community or group of friends that were very special to her. And she also grew up uh, living close to her grandparents. Mm -hmm. So again, blessed to have just a lot of family around. Family was very, very important to her. She loved events where we all got together Mm -hmm. um, and, and she was able to build relationships, you know, with, with some family members that, might not have happened if if we had not lived so close. Yep. She really loved people big time. If she was a friend, then she wanted you to also feel like you were family. Yeah. And and so she would really I I think treat you like family, but then she would also act like she was other people's families too. She would just make their make herself home at other people's houses and yep. Hang up pictures of herself on their family walls and just really <laughs> dive into as if she were a family member. So yeah. um, she just loved hard, I would say. Yeah, she did. Mm. Um, ever since I can remember knowing that I could, that I was going to be a dad someday, I always wanted a daughter. I grew up with two brothers. And so I didn't have any idea what it was like to have a little sister or, or anything around like that. And I really wanted to a daughter and I got one and her nickname was Sassy. My son is two and a half years older than her, three years older than her. Sorry. When I said Sassy, Siri went off. And so, Oh, um, <laughs> oh how funny. So anyway, um, <laughs> he, he come into our room one day when, when we were pregnant with her and we really didn't even know what, what we were having yet. And uh, he said that he had a dream about his little sister, and she had brown hair and brown eyes, and her name was Sassy. Oh, I love that. We found out immediately that she was a girl with brown hair and brown eyes, and so Uh that was, we always called her Sassy. She really lived up to her name. Mm -hmm. Um, I say she was uh, a lot of sass with a little bit of class, but she was ornery, and we we prayed. We prayed that she would have our sense of humor, and she got it in spades. She was oh, wow. the funniest person I've ever met. Very yeah. funny. Hilarious. And she, you was talking about her diabetes and taking care of herself and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's a good thing college was close because there was a lot of midnight times when she'd call at midnight and say, hey, I'm out of insulin, and I've been out of insulin for several hours now. And I'm oh, like, no. Honey. <laughs> you know, and so you'd make that trip, yeah. meet her halfway, or go all the way to college, and Fortunately or unfortunately, my, my father was diabetic, and so he had the same insulin. So I'd sometimes have to run out and say, hey, Mom, sorry, wake you up, but I got to grab yeah. a bottle vial of insulin and take off to, to college because your granddaughter. Yeah. And she she's just a just hilarious young lady. She really was. Yeah. A lot of sass with a little bit of class. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's, yes. that's fun. Yeah. So in the summer of 2019, Raquel, you and Parker had the chance to go on a special vacation together. So talk about that. And then what happened after you got home? Well, it was the summer before her um, 21st birthday. And, um, you know, her and her cousin Keegan had always had big 
birthday parties and celebrations together, which was awesome. And they both loved that. Um, this year she said, you know, mom, for my 21st birthday, I don't really want a big party or anything. I just want you and me and my friend Tyler May to go to a beach somewhere and lay on the beach. Nice. She loved, mm-hmm. she loved um, beaches and the ocean. And I thought that was a really great idea. No typical 21st birthday party, um, just some relaxing time on a beach. I mean, yeah. that was so exciting. And we didn't have to take any guys with us. It was just a girl's trip. Sounds perfect. <laughs> Sorry, Doug. Um, <laughs> and so we planned that out and we went to Destin, Destin, Florida, and we had the best time. It was such a great relaxing vacation. Um, it was beautiful. The weather was great. We didn't get into any of our mother-daughter spats that, you know, sometimes daughters and moms butt heads, sure. <laughs> especially mm-hmm. sassy. But we didn't. It was great. It was wonderful. Um, the person who we had gotten the um, VRBO from had told us the night before it was time to leave. He said, hey, I've got this room for it's free one more night. If you guys want to stay, we can make that happen. And, you know, I was thinking, hey, that that sounds like a really good idea. Yeah. Um, but she and Tyler May were so ready to get back to see their friends because of their social, uh, social butterflies. They loved to, like I said, be around their friends all the time. So we said, no, I think we'll pass on that. We'll just head back home. And that's that's what they talked about on the way home is getting getting to see some of their best friends. And um, so we drove and got back to Butler about five o'clock in the evening. I was just super exhausted mm-hmm. um, from the travel. And for some reason, those girls were not tired in the least. They were roaring to go, um, got home, came inside, and and she immediately started, you know, changing and getting ready to go hang with friends and uh, didn't unpack her suitcase, didn't really do anything, just left it on the bed. And her, her cousin Keegan came over to see her, you know, and, and I think borrow some clothes or something that they kind of shared some clothes. Um, and then she got to see her dad for a brief minute. Yeah, about a brief minute. Jason, my brother had brought Keegan over. And uh, I was standing out in the driveway talking to to him. And then, like I said, they'd been home less than an hour anyway. And and I really hadn't seen her because she was getting dressed and ready to go and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. so while I was talking to my, my brother in the driveway, she come out and her friends pulled up in the, in the car that she was riding in. And uh, she come out and come over and hug me and kiss me and. I said, hey, uh, come home early tonight so I can hear about your, your trip. I'm really curious about that. Yeah. And uh, she got in the car and left, and that was the last we saw her. Mm-hmm. Um, so later that later, night, later that evening, she had she had gone to eat with her friends and, and um, you know, just out and about. Um, I got a phone call from the driver of her car, the friend that had um, – come to pick her up. Mm -hmm. And she said, um, we've been in an accident 
outside of, of town, right at airport road. We've been in an accident and we're not very good. None of us are very good. And, and but she was talking, you know, normal voice. So yeah. I didn't really think too much about it. I said, okay, we'll be right there. And yeah, she and I, asked, I actually thought it was Parker on the phone. I, I didn't know who it was. And then I said, wait a minute, who was that? And she said, it was Mackenzie. And I said, so Parker's not good. And she said, that's all I know is what happened. So, yeah, it just didn't sound like quite an emergency at that moment. It didn't really hit me because she was, I thought maybe a little fender bender and yeah. Anyway. And, and so I called her back and I said, do we need to go to the hospital or to the accident? And she said, hold on. And, and she turned to one of the officers, I guess, that was there. And she said, um, yeah, come to the accident. Okay. Mm, yeah. So I thought that was a little, okay, well, she's not hurt if she's not at the hospital. Right. Um, but also I was told to call the other parents of the, of the people in the car. So we headed out that way and kind of started to get a little more frantic and on the way, you know, it just kind of hit us like, yeah, this isn't good. Yeah. We kind of popped up over the hill on the way to where we thought the wreck was at. And there was fire trucks and police cars and helicopters and, Mm. and just an amazing amount of motion going on. And it, it was, it was just, Way more, serious. way more serious than what we thought it would it could and, ever be, and uh, I got out of the car. Raquel wouldn't wasn't going to get out, no. and I didn't really want her to. And, I didn't want to get out, and he yeah. said, "I have to see what's happened to my baby." Yep, and so I went, I went uh, to the wreck, and and we couldn't see from where we no. were because of all the emergency yeah. vehicles. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I went to the to the wreck, and the sheriff, who's a friend of mine. I started down the hill towards a car and he yelled at me to stop. He said, uh, you can't come down here. And he had tears just mm. gushing out of his eyes. And yeah. He said, you can't come down here. And, and I just looked at him and I said, is she dead? And he just, just cried even more and started walking towards me. He's shaking his head. Yes. Mm. And, uh, yeah. And then I, I watched them walk towards the car and I, New, yeah, yeah, and, their expressions. And he said, I, I said, I gotta go tell part Raquel. And uh, he said, I'll tell her. And I said, No, I have to tell her, yeah. And all I could say was, Parker's with Jesus, mm. and uh, you know, the emotions are everything. And and the, the first thing that I thought of was, I guess I'm not exempt from this, mm. you know. Right. I think part of the time I lived my Christian life hoping that we could avoid some of this. and some of our prayers were, you know, God, every time she leave, God protect her, God watch over. And absolutely good thing I covered her with that, you know, and, and it's just, and then all of a sudden it's like, I guess that I'm not exempt from this, you know, we're not exempt from. And, and one of the things I had thought, and it wasn't right then, I was just kind of in shock, but wait a minute, she already has a disease. She already has a thing that's bad. Right. Why is this happening? Right. You know, like, for some reason you think, okay, well, if, if there's already this issue with her child, then, you know, that's their thing. That's, right. that's the bad thing that has happened to them. And, but yeah, we are not exempt from yeah. any of this. 
Yeah. I sat, I sat down outside the car um, on Raquel's side, and it was like it just went through my head right then that this is what every parent feels like when they mm-hmm. lose a child. And I, I, don't, I don't think you, until you lose a child, you have no idea what that's like. Right. Because I, I can honestly say that there's been times in my life when I've known people that have lost kids and seen how devastating it's been to their lives and think, well, somehow you need to move on. You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now it's like <laughs> I get it. Yes, I get it. There, there's just it's hard to move on. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. but it is possible. Yeah. Um. So what had happened was yeah. You want to explain yeah. That what had happened was I guess they were on their way back to town, and uh, the driver said she thought there was a rock in the road, and she tried to miss it. And she hit it. And what it ended up being was a bottle jack for like a diesel trucks. And it caught them and flung them into the other lane of the oncoming traffic. And they hit a car. It was driven by a classmate of mine. but mm. um, And it killed Parker instantly. And then Troy died later um, that night. But And th- th- she was the only casualty in the car uh, the other girls the driver had a broken leg and that sort of thing and the other two girls were in the back seat and their their lives were just turned mm. upside down i mean oh, they've yeah. they survived yeah they survived they and, and they, they've been battling all kinds of injuries and brain injuries and and just physical things broken bones uh, they were in the back seat and the the wreck actually tore the cartilage in one of the girls knees and how oh, that's wow. possible, I don't know. That's how violent it got. Yeah. And so, but we're pretty sure Parker died instantly because mm-hmm. she she caught the brunt of the car, of the other car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of her story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the end of her story here, but it's also the beginning of a whole new story, too. Exactly. Just then when you said that, I thought, well, but that's not the end of her story, you know? Right. It's yeah. it's the end of it here, but like you said, what a wonderful beginning happened at that very moment. Yeah. Um, but that, that we're still left behind with um, yes. that grief and sorrow and pain in yep. the aftermath. Um were you all ever, ever able to determine or was anybody able to determine how that jack came to be in the road and was anybody held accountable for that or uh, yes and no yes the the jack slid out of someone's truck mm-hmm. uh, that was leaving work they were pulling out of the driveway of the place they were working at i guess and it wasn't secured so now there's Times when I carry bungee straps and stuff, and if I see somebody that doesn't have something strapped down, I just hear, <laughs> you know, please yeah. go strap that down. But anyway, they do know who it was. I actually, about a year ago, I was standing in the line at bank with my business and was going to talk to the bank manager about advertising with us. And uh, I turned around, and the guy that owned the jack was standing right behind me. And and that was a that was a really hard oh, moment, yeah. and I just I went outside immediately because I knew he had a warrant out for his arrest because he'd have been avoiding the police, and uh, I knew he had a warrant out for his arrest, and so I went out and the chief of police is a friend of mine, and I tried 
giving him a call and getting him there. And I couldn't get a hold of him, couldn't get a hold of him. And my salesperson come out and he goes, Hey, he's ready to see us. And I said, okay, just, you're just going to have to give me a second. Yeah. And I went back in and he recognized who I was, the, the guy that owned the Jack and left in a hurry, yeah. <laughs> in yeah. a real hurry. And so anyway, and then here a few months ago, within the last six months, they've arrested him, but then they let him loose on a $750 bond. So mm. he's back yeah. in the wind and that sort of thing. And and I think it's it's important to say that the very next day after this wreck happened, Doug was very persistent about sending a message. Yeah. I, uh, I, I told Raquel, I said, I want to do a Facebook live thing or something and just let, uh, let the person that owned this Jack know that we forgive him, that mm-hmm. it was a complete accident. And we've all had those things happen, that there is yeah. a complete accident that happened that, and you know, what a, what a freakish thing to happen. And, and I wanted him to know that I forgive him and mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. And I, but there is some accountability with absolutely some mm-hmm. of your actions and that sort of thing. And so, but anyway, I, I just, cause I can't imagine, I can't imagine what that would do to a person knowing that you were responsible for two deaths as a result of neglect, you know, right. I, cause like I said, we've all been there I yeah. mean, and I understand that. And that, that video ended up going viral and there was actually, it was used in, church sermons and all kinds of stuff all over the country we found out later so um, and and like i said i i think it was it was a good start for us in the community anyway of of understanding that we knew who god was we knew where parker was and uh and and i said in the video and i've continued to say that i don't believe in any way shape or form that my daughter's death was a part of god's will I don't believe that. I think that we have to understand that there's an evil in the world that we're fighting all the time too. And we can't always say, pass it off as, well, it's God's will. So, you know, I I think God knew, God understood. And I think that's probably the mystery of God that we'll never understand is when he says our hours and days are numbered. He knows those numbers, but I think there's also, uh, I always say, I, I don't, I don't think there's any way that God's will is for little kids to get run over by drunk drivers. I don't think that's any part of that, but I do know that there is sin in the world and there's some accountability with what we do too, you know? Sure. So anyway. Yeah. It's that, that mystery of God's sovereignty. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And, and, and and I don't think we'll understand it. And I think when we get to heaven, we won't really care. Right. But you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you've really not ever been able to get closure with regard to that driver or the owner of the Jack here on earth. But, you know, we know that one day, you know, God's going to make all of these things right. And, you know, I guess that's just something you have to give over to him. And it sounds like you have. Yeah, and I think think we have, well, we've given a lot of it over to him. I mean, I think there's always little pieces that you, <laughs> Absolutely. You, you, you realize, Oh, I don't guess I give you that part, God. Yeah. And uh, here it is today. Yeah. Um, and yeah. please try to take this away from me today. If you could. Yes. And, 
You know, there's those those minutes and in seconds of your day that happen all the time. But Absolutely. like I said, God is good and he does do those things for you. And it's it's been an incredible learning process. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been two and a half years, about that long, since Parker went to heaven. And, you know, in my opinion, that's still really early on the grief journey when you're talking about child loss. Um, but I want you to think back, if you can, to those very early days after Parker went home. What advice might you give to somebody who's listening maybe to this podcast today who is in those very early days or weeks or months after the loss of their child? What would you say to them? I would, I would, I always say, you've got to learn to give this to God. And I don't know how to, you know, I don't know where you're at with him, but you're going to have to learn to, to give this to him. I, we knew almost immediately that this grief thing was going to come because fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to say it, Raquel's uncle, uh, Terry Lawrence, who has the same last name as I do, but no, no relation whatsoever, but yeah, but Terry, um, Terry and Carolyn lost a, a child too in a freak accident, and we've seen how they handled it, which was mm. incredible because they didn't have anybody to <laughs> to guide them yeah. um, the way we did. And yeah. and it was just, you know, we knew the grief was going to come and it was going to come hard, and so we tried to get out ahead of it as much as we could. Even that night, I was thinking of of people that lost children, and I, and I told my father in law, I said, "Do not let." this destroy me. Mm. Dude, I lost my dad about three months earlier, so I couldn't go to my dad. Wow. So I went to my father-in-law and I said, please, um, just don't let this destroy me. You know, be sure to let me know, Hey, you need to move on or, or you need to, you know, and like I said, this was hours after Parker died. So it was, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just knew that it was coming. I knew that there was going to be this wave of awfulness get to you. And in that moment, you're you're caught up in letting our son know who was in Springfield at a ball game. You know, hey, mm-hmm. you got to come home. Yeah. You know, Parker's been in a wreck. Not not saying, hey, I want to tell you what's happened. Right. You know, until you get here, so you got figure out how you're going to break that to him. You got all your family. You got to get a hold of and say, hey, I really need you right now. Yeah. And you know. And they and they all came. They all came, and mm. they were all here. You know, they live hours and a half away, and two hours away, and they just all came, came at here. midnight. Yep. Yeah. Also, I would say one of the biggest pieces of, of advice because it helped us so much is to surround yourself with other grieving parents or other parents who yeah. have lost children because they are the only ones who really understand yeah. and yeah. it yep. makes you feel like you are not alone yeah um we did a grief share group which was good and i do recommend that but the we went to a while we're waiting parents group and just being around other people who know yeah it's it, so yeah. comforting it I really think, is. like i said I, I think grief share is a good thing and maybe a good start if you want to say that but sure it's really deals, I think, more with widows and widowers and because it's just a unique, losing a child is a unique thing because as you've listened to our story and as you know, you don't lose just your daughter. You lose your best friend. Yes. You lose your past. You lose your future. Yeah. I mean, you, you spent, I've, we spent 21 years planning what 
how to raise Parker and, and raising Parker. And then we spent all that time also planning the future for Parker. And, you sure. know, Parker and I had kids named and, and yeah. how we were going to coach them and where we're going. You know, I mean, it's just you, your whole, my job is based around my future with my kids. You know, I mean, you're just, and then all of a sudden, blink of an eye, your history's gone and your presence, your presence gone and your future's gone. And, yeah. and it's, it's just, it's a unique, a unique thing. And then, so, and then also advice would be depend on prayers. Yes. Yeah. Just, uh, that's amazing. We, we know that it's the prayers of God's people that keep you going. Yeah. And even two and a half years later, I meet people and they say, I pray for you about every night. Mm. And yeah. it's like, thank we you. Tell. We understand that. And selfishly, keep doing that, please. <laughs> we you can know? tell. Yes. We feel it. Yeah. Yep. That is totally what got us through the first, yeah, initial several months, year, you know. Yep. Yes. It is amazing how you can feel those prayers. And then you yes, can tell is. that they're making a difference. You know, I, and w- our story is different, you know, as, you know, our daughter was diagnosed with cancer. So we had a year to prepare for, you know, when she left us. But through that whole year that she had cancer, we felt the prayers of people. And then afterwards too, and I had really never experienced that in my life to where I could really feel the difference that those prayers were making. Um, But it really does. It really does make a difference. It does. Certainly does. This concludes the first half of my conversation with the Lawrences. Be sure to come back next week for a wide-ranging discussion of issues bereaved parents deal with on a daily basis. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to sharing the rest of our chat with you next Wednesday.